You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And what is up? Welcome in GC Live Friday episode of the show. Final preview talking South Carolina versus Florida. We're live at the Market on Main, as you can tell, um, avoiding the weather. Uh, final uh, remnants, I believe, of Tropical Storm Nicole here in Columbia, South Carolina. I think the weather in Gainesville is going to be just fine tomorrow from what I've heard. But we are, as always, live from the Market on Main, hanging out in an igloo. Um, <laughs> As we have done, uh, we did this last year. Great place to come, uh, not only enjoy the game behind us, but uh, to stay out of the weather, stay out of the cold once it does get cold. So we'll tell you a little bit more about Market as the show progresses. Uh, check out more marketonmain.com as well. But uh, we are inching closer to South Carolina versus Florida. I'm, of course, Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. Chris, um, you know, we, we've talked about the game all week long. I, I don't know if anything has changed as far as our outlook on this one, but uh, we're about 24, um, you know, 27 hours, I guess, away from kickoff. Where's your head at right now? Yeah, about the same, man. But I think, you know, general overview, theme we've talked about all week is, you know, what's the, the line has, I guess, crept down a little bit to about eight and a half. Maybe still nine some places. Eight and a half, I think, is the last one that yeah, I saw. Eight, eight other, eight some places. Eight some well, places. I think. So eight to nine, eight, eight and a half. And I think what we've talked about is that's pretty fair, right? You got a couple teams who, um, you know, maybe similar in some statistical categories. Maybe there's some parallels between the two teams, but also some key differences. And I think you look at the fact that this is a road football game for South Carolina. Look at the fact that South Carolina. Uh, in terms of turnover margin, these teams are opposite, right? Florida's been pretty good in that category. South Carolina, not so good in that category. First time that they won turnover margin in a conference ball game was last week against Vanderbilt. Both these teams have lost some games, but they've generally lost them to quality opponents, right? With the exception of, you know, South Carolina losing to Missouri, a team that's better than their record indicates. But you lose to Georgia, you lose a road game to Arkansas. When you look at this Florida team, Wes – Two out of the past three weeks have been losses for them, but they came to Georgia, who's a playoff team, and LSU, who's also potentially a playoff team, and then survived last week against a beat-up Texas A&M team. So um, it's a game where the margins maybe are kind of tight, right? Like maybe one of these teams is not head and shoulders better than the other, but I think that's when it goes to some of the small things that you have to look at within a game and something you've talked about a lot all week, and that is – how good or bad is this matchup individually for South Carolina? Yeah, man, I, I think it is a tough matchup. Um, you know, you look, I, I think every year you start out the season, you kind of think you have a feel for well, this game, this game, this game. For Carolina, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster in terms of like, you know, you go in, you probably say, 
A&M game on paper is a loss. As the year progressed, you maybe said, well, actually, Carolina has a good shot, a decent shot to win this game, uh, even though they were not favored going into that game. Um, they do. They, they win that game. Then you look at Missouri. That's a game Carolina always ex- expects to win. I think the fans do, even though Missouri has now won four in a row. Um the more, Chris, that I look at that game, the Missouri loss, I know people still are talking about it. Um, I don't even know if it's that big of an upset. Like, I, I feel like the teams were fairly close, and none of us really wanted to believe or admit that going in because of Missouri's record. Yeah. Um, you know, how many games has Missouri played that they, they could have – realistically, one thing goes different, they, they go win the game. So – I think you got a lot of teams below those kind of elite SEC teams that can all beat each other. Um, now, I think eight, eight and a half, nine, that's about right for this game. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think Florida is favored. They should be favored. I think Carolina's going to need several things to go their way. I, I think the fact that it's in Gainesville um, it is a factor in this game. I, I think you, you can't take a whole lot from what happened in this matchup last year completely different coaching staff for Florida now. That was a team that really struggled, obviously, last year down the stretch. So, I, um, you know, I'm looking at it not that, you know, I, I think Pearson on our 107.5 show has been accused of basically saying South Carolina cannot win this game. I'm not in any way saying that. Like, there is a path. But, um, you know, anytime you're a touchdown plus, like a little bit over a touchdown underdog, I think that means on paper you're going to need some things to go your way. Like, you're going to need some things to turn the game. Is that a special team score, as we've seen South Carolina has been prone to get? Is that, you know, a defensive score, a couple of extra turnovers? Is a Florida team that has um, not turned the ball over a ton, but also when they have not been able to put up points, I think it's been more because of, you know, Anthony Richardson turning the ball over. You, you kind of have – Good Anthony Richardson, which is, I think, one of the most dynamic players South Carolina will see all year long. You have had some games where, as uh, Nick De La Torre pointed out to us, he was kind of just due for um, a uh, an interception and a fumble per game at, at times early this year. So, you know, I, I look at it, if you're Carolina, can you force Richardson to be bad Anthony Richardson to kind of fall back on – maybe some of the things he was prone to doing early on the last three weeks, he's been very good at protecting the football. Yeah. That's the unfortunate part. Glad you brought that up for South Carolina. He has been a lot better in that category. No interceptions the last three weeks. And that includes West games against Georgia and LSU, Texas A&M of course was their most recent contest. So he has been better there. And then he's shown the ability to reel off those long runs and he can do it from anywhere. You know, you, you think about players where, Typically, you're thinking about a receiver or a running back. Well, he can hit a home run from anywhere on the field. That's what Anthony Richardson can do, and he can do it in any situation. And another big issue with his playing style and what he's shown so far this season is you can have the perfect defensive play call. You can have everything covered downfield. You can have everything hemmed up, and and you feel good about everything. And then he makes one guy miss, and now it's a house call. And so that's a big problem. I think that South Carolina, as you alluded to, they've got to just kind of, for lack of a better term, just like muck this game up. Um, can they do that? I mean, that's what they have done. You know, you think about 
two recent Carolina wins, A&M, Kentucky. They got off to fast starts. They mucked the game up. They forced turnovers. They gave themselves short fields to go and uh, and be able to score points on, get up early in those ball games, and kind of hang on for dear life from there. Mm-hmm. Hanging on for dear life will be tougher because of the explosiveness of Anthony Richardson. But but the key there is that they're going to have to turn turn him over uh, and force him into making mistakes. In some ways, Ford is probably fine with the game being on his back because he can carry a team. Uh, but you want to force him into some mistakes. I think it's kind of you look back early in the year, Wes. Kentucky beat this Florida team 26-16. to 16. That seems to be a tough path for South Carolina, right, to, to get there. But Richardson had, we went over it earlier today, what, six rushes for four yards. Certainly it seems like he's been encouraged to expand his running, and he has in every game since then, and then didn't play well just in terms of his overall quarterback play in that contest. The week before, he ran, I think, for three touchdowns against Utah and played really well. And so we've seen both versions. Which version does South Carolina get? Which version of Florida's defense does South Carolina get? Yeah, I, I think um, they're a good bit more explosive than we have seen Kentucky and A&M be this year. So I, I think I think that's going to be a tough ask when, you know, I, I think the most um, concerning thing from a Carolina perspective is how easily Vanderbilt was able to run the football last yes. week. And, you know, I, I think some of it this year has been – matchup base like you look you know George you know Georgia is going to be able to run the football even though that's not quite what they do um quite as much this year but against Carolina I would like Georgia's chances to run the football like that just kind of is what it is but you know I thought there were some signs of progress this year they obviously are thin now they've gotten thinner as the year has progressed I think they still you know you can't use it as, as an excuse but they do still miss guys like Mo Kaba, Jordan Strong up front um, they're a, a thin defense that is playing a lot of guys for a ton of snaps. And, yep. um, you know, I think that's worked against them. But you look at what Vandy was able to do, just kind of kind of small chunk play after small chunk play, making it look kind of easy when they were not a team that came in having run the football very well at all. Um, I, I think that's a big concern when you look at, at this Florida team now. The, the way teams are able to attack Carolina on the edges. Florida is an offense, and again, you kind of have to parse it by saying, you know, who have they played? Like, they've played some really good teams, some really good defenses. And you look at it, Florida has been kind of like Carolina's offense in that it's been a little boomer bust, big plays. They Their rushing numbers are good, but a lot of it does come uh, as the year has gone on from Anthony Richardson making plays and making big plays for them. So some of it, talking again to the guys at Gators Online, it hasn't always come within the structure of their offensive running game. In other words, it's not necessarily, you know, handoff 60 yards to the house or handoff <laughs> six yards, six yards, you know, chunk plays. It's more, uh, you know, short run, short run, short run, Oh, we got a punt. Short run. Oh, Richardson takes it off for 60 yards. So it's kind of been a little bit like Carolina, and it's a little bit more hit or miss. The scary part is, from a Carolina perspective, can you do enough to to give them enough of those misses? Like what I saw against Vanderbilt, the answer would be no. Um, Yeah. But that's why you play the games. That's why you practice. That's why you – go watch the film, all that stuff. But I just think there's a lot of concerns. So then if you can't do that, 
then the honest goes over to the offense to just try and outscore them. And, um, you know, I do think there is some carryover from what you did to Vandy because this is not a good Florida defense. I guess it's really not. Um, but can can Carolina's offense do enough, consistently enough, to put up 30-something points in this game? Like I, I feel like there's, like, questions on both sides of this thing. Yeah. Um, and you're gonna, you almost have to thread the needle. I feel like, like if you're gonna talk about playing a, to a score, you got to thread the needle to where this running defense for South Carolina does just enough to like hold them down, and the offense sort of scores what is probably the peak of what I think is realistic yeah. to expect in this game. Um, if Carolina wins it. What do you think the score has to be? Oh, I think you think it's a little bit lower than I think because I I just have no faith in them being able to like muck this game up. Like I I I think I think the the intersection of those two claims is like 31-28, 33-31. It's like yeah, if if, th- if things go very well on offense against a, again a defense that's not great, I could see them putting up. 31, 34 points. Much higher than that, I don't see it. Defensively, I could see them put being in a, a place where they make Florida sort of earn it. You kind of just limit possessions. Clayton White doesn't like bend but don't break, but in some ways that's kind of how it would have to be. Like you're, gi- you're giving up some yards. You're even giving up some points, but at least you're you're making them earn the points and the the clock is rolling. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. then it kind of comes down to a couple of possessions as opposed to just going up and down the field on them. I think that's where that intersection is between realistic point total for offense, realistic point total that you could say, oh, I could see them holding them to that. I look at it high 20s, low 30s. Um, on the other end, I don't know if I can predict South Carolina to score like 38 points. Sure. I don't know if I can predict South Carolina to hold Florida to like – 21 points or something. Yeah, so you look at the two games, I feel like I keep going back to this well with these references, but Kentucky and A&M back-to-back, right? Both of those games, Carolina did successfully muck them up. Now, they had some adversity in different ways in both those games. I mean, Kentucky, they were able to pull away. A&M, they kind of had to hang on, but they did muck those games up uh, with early turnovers, early scores, uh, big special teams plays, right? They were able to make all those types of plays in both of those games, but they were two different scores. You know, you had, what, 24-14 with a late Kentucky touchdown, and then, what, A&M 30-24. I think it's more of that latter. You, you don't look at this and say, right, they'll probably hold Florida to 14. I don't think that's reasonable at all. Um, so I think it has to be more. Carolina's probably – I would go there. They probably got to score 30 points mm-hmm. or more to be able to win this game. And so I'm with you. I don't see 38 is realistic. So that's probably your sweet spot, like a 30 to 24, 30 to whatever is less than <laughs> less than 30 on the part of Florida. Yeah. So um, this, this is a Florida team that's kind of interesting, man. Like I, I think so Billy Napier is calling the plays. Like he's always been an offensive oriented guy, former offensive coordinator, um, former quarterback himself. Like that, that's kind of what he's all about, but he, you know, every coach kind of has to make that decision, especially the higher and higher they get. Now you're in an SEC job. Are you going to be 
just an offensive-oriented head coach, but you have a play caller for you, or are you going to call the plays from all indications are Napier has decided I'm a play caller. I'm calling these plays. It's been interesting to hear some of the, the chatter about Florida, how they operate on offense. I'll, I'll give them credit against A&M. They were very patient. And, uh, you know, we, we saw it going into that A&M game. We talked about it. A&M has struggled to stop the run, and but they had a very talented secondary. So Florida, you see a lot of times coaches will sort of say, all right, I, I, we need balance. Like we need – even if we're running the ball – we got to mix in a throw here to keep them off balance. In this game, Florida, uh, for, for the most part, stuck to the running game, stuck to the quick perimeter passing game, and stuck to what was working and really showed patience. Uh, you know, the Gators online guys gave a lot of credit to Napier for just showing patience, getting the ball to both their running backs. Uh, you have a couple of backs who are probably underrated. Um, you know, they, they can uh, – they have – the ability to make you miss. They've got some balance. Um, you know, ETN, a very patient runner. He will hang out sort of in – I don't know if you would call it a pocket when you're talking about a running play, but that's really what it, what it is, is that he'll hang out in there. He's one of those sort of new school runners that he's not just hitting the hole like this. He's going to let the hole develop, almost come to a stop at times, and, uh, and then he sort of darts through there. So they have a couple of backs that are solid. Then you pair them up with Anthony Richardson. And this is a game, if I'm Florida, I think that's where I'm living. Like, if you if you throw the ball, I don't know what number you want to put on it. Obviously, it matters. Possessions, number of possessions matter as well. But if you throw the ball 20-plus times in this game, you've probably outthought yourself or yeah. you've just gotten into a um, some type of shootout, I, I guess. But – if I'm them, I'm living on the perimeter with the running game, with the quick passes. Uh, it seems like shorter, their top receiver. Um, the vibes are similar to like Marshawn Lloyd. The vibes are that shorter probably won't be able to do much. So if I'm them, I'm living in the running game, forcing Carolina to prove they can stop it. And then I'm keeping those Carolina pass rushers, which actually have been pretty good this year at getting pressure when they're allowed to pin their ears back. I'm keeping them having to play the run as opposed to letting them pin their ears yeah. back. Well, and, and Florida has more injury concerns beyond shorter. You know, their other starting wide receiver, Frazier's, who had a good game against A&M. Out he's for a while, out, right? He's going to be out for a while with a shoulder injury. Uh, Billy, he's got a pretty bad shoulder, uh, you know, so going that route. He's got a shoulder. He's got a shoulder. Um, and then uh, Zipper, their tight end, also remains out. But that said, I mean, man, they still have some, some weapons. You look at you know, Xavier Henderson, Ricky Pearsall, who's got good speed. They'll use him. They'll get him involved in the running game, kind of like Carolina did with Xavier Leggett last week. Um, their offensive line is playing well, uh, better than we've been accustomed to with Florida the past few years. The concerning thing about this, Wes, well, so there's several things, but like you mentioned, Vanderbilt's, you know, rush offense against South Carolina's run defense, and that was certainly concerning because Bandy hasn't been that really that good running the football all year. They had success against Carolina. Um, we saw Missouri very inconsistent offensively this year. They were able to make some things happen. They didn't explode against Carolina, but certainly early in that football game, they had a lot of success. Missouri did so not only with their backs, but with the quarterback, Brady Cook. Well, Anthony Richardson is that times 20, 25, a million. 100, a million. Um, and so you, you look at their backs, Johnson and ETN, 
you look at how they involve their receivers in the run game, some of the formations they use, some of the motions they use, and then Richardson, it just doesn't inspire a ton of confidence in South Carolina's ability to stop it absent the things that you mentioned, forcing them into mistakes and turnovers, and then just limiting the explosive plays. What they need to do is you're going to give up yards in this game. Mm -hmm. It would be a huge surprise if you don't. If they do, great. But when they get in the red zone, can you make them kick field goals? Can you limit the explosive plays that result in touchdowns? And I think that's a, a place that Carolina's going to have to live. Yeah, Peter uh, on YouTube, by the way, shout out to everybody joining us live, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Peter saying a little Beamer ball wouldn't hurt. I mean, I think you're right, Peter. It's going to take it's going to take some some extra effort from one of the other units. Um, you'd love for it to be a score, but at least to give you an extra possession and then take advantage of it. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, create some turnovers. However, I, I still maintain creating turnovers actually is sort of a um, – it's an outcome of some of the other things we're talking about. If you're running the ball well, um, then – you're probably not going to be able to put them in situations in order to to turn the ball over. Sometimes you get a gift. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But for the most part, um, if a team is comfortable, confident, you're not – I mean, how many turnovers come because a quarterback gets hit from behind, hit while they're throwing, has to force a throw, you know, is, is in a third and long and forces a throw, is losing and forces a throw. All these turnovers, they don't just happen in a vacuum. They happen because you're doing other things – the right way and controlling the game, I think. So, you know, may, maybe Carolina gets a gift or two. If you get one, take advantage of it, you know. Um, so, but these are things you can say for any game that you go into when you're not uh, necessarily the favorite. And I, I think we've we've given a lot of love to Florida. Like, we have acknowledged, like, they, they are a team that I think comes into this game expecting to win, um, you know, which is kind of strange considering Carolina absolutely blew them out. Last year, it wasn't even close. And and even put them away. You know, give them credit. They stuck the dagger in last year when they could and really got the momentum and, and just rode the momentum of that um, early game into the, the rest of the game and, and sort of put Florida away. But, um, man, I'll say this. You mentioned, and I don't want us to get too off the rails and go too deep into this, but I think it is worth mentioning because I think it's something Carolina's going to have to deal with. Um, unbalanced formations basically uh, is something they do quite a bit of. You mentioned some of the formations that they can uh, utilize to give you problems. Um, they will do a lot of this. And what that means is essentially you can look for it tomorrow. I guarantee they're going to do it against South Carolina. They will take their – they may do both ways, but when I saw it, they will take their left tackle and shift him over to the other side. And he basically is tackle eligible. He's on the end. Now – the receiver who is out here to the left, um, the number two receiver, if you're counting it like defense. So one would be the most outside receiver. Two would be the, the second most outside receiver. That guy is still on the line of scrimmage. So that receiver is no longer an eligible wide receiver to go out and catch a pass. However, the way the game is played these days, as much as people throw the ball to the perimeter, you still have to put a guy out there because they will outnumber you and just quick throw it out there all day long. So, um, and this is not reinventing the wheel. This is not something that other teams don't do. But, um, you know, I don't know if you see a ton of opponents this year against South Carolina go 
heavy, unbalanced line. This is something Florida does quite a bit of. And what they will do is they will they will pick their numbers. They will run plays to where Richardson has the option, obviously, to keep her hand off. And they'll they'll even implement power. So they'll have pulling, pulling guys this way, pulling guys the other way, and then the bubble screen to the outside. Um, so if they have numbers this way, they're going to just hand the ball off. If uh, if you overload to the unbalanced side, they're going to run the ball with Richardson. If you pull a guy from the perimeter to try to stop the run, they're going to throw the quick screen out there. So, Chris, to me, that sort of amplifies, yep. I think is a good word for it. It amplifies some issues that we've already seen Carolina have. So be on the lookout. When you see it, it's going to even look like, if you look very closely, it almost looks like, an illegal formation because there's two receivers lined up up on the line of scrimmage. They have to do that in order to keep it a legal formation with seven guys on the line of scrimmage. That tackle on the far right becomes eligible, but they are really doing that to mess with your numbers. They're trying to they're trying to outnumber you at the point of attack and then try to hit you there. It's gonna be very important for Carolina's guys to have a plan for that and then to be able to implement it on the fly. Discipline and tackling, you know, will be big in this game. And it's a couple things that, particularly with the discipline, Wes, uh, they struggled in the past two weeks against Missouri and Vandy. Look at the missed tackle numbers against uh, Missouri. I don't remember what they were even against Vandy, but wasn't bad missed tackle numbers against Missouri. But a lot of that was because, frankly, they weren't in the play until the end. Took a lot of bad angles. Perimeter play wasn't as good. Uh, Missouri killed them with just the sideways kind of stuff, which is along the lines of, you know, in a different way, some of what you're describing. If they have feel like they have numbers out there, they'll shoot it out there. They run a lot of RPO stuff, and uh, you have to be able to make tackles. And I think that'll be critical in this game regardless. You know, we saw last week against Vanderbilt, South Carolina, you, you felt like you're watching the play develop, and you feel like, okay, here's an opportunity to make a play. South Carolina wouldn't make it. Bad angle, sometimes a missed tackle. And here goes Vanderbilt for, you know, six yards, eight yards, nine yards. That's what you're going to have to avoid because the talent level of Richardson, ETN, Johnson, some of these receivers that they get involved on the perimeter, it, it ratchets up, right, mm-hmm. That compared to Vandy. And so that, that can be a difficult thing for you. We've also seen both of these defenses, Wes, Florida and South Carolina, they've had their missed tackle struggles this year. South Carolina's notable very poor performance was against KJ Jefferson in Arkansas, 21 missed tackles. Florida has also had Wes a 21 missed tackle game. It was against LSU where they gave up 45 points to the Tigers. So again, which defense, which version of the Florida defense will we see? Can South Carolina take advantage of there uh, of that? And can the Gamecocks play a defense more along the lines of what we saw against Kentucky or against Texas A&M? The trend has been in the past two weeks, actually, uh, that they have not played as well against Missouri and Vanderbilt, so they need to be able to get back to what we saw in the wins previous to that. Yeah, and just uh, to be completely clear, if you are uh, tuning in, uh, you missed the first part of the show, and you are wondering, like, why are we still, why are we talking about Missouri? Um, we're not talking about Missouri in the context of the Missouri game. We're actually trying to talk about it more in the context of what do we see the last two weeks against Missouri, against Vandy, that will carry over to this game. If if Florida was a team, frankly, that had an offense that just struggled or didn't have players 
or did not run the football well, a lot of what you saw maybe wouldn't be quite as valid. But um, unfortunately, it looks like a Florida team that can take advantage offensively of some of the issues South Carolina has had, um, you know, on the defensive side. So do you, are, can some of these things be cleaned up? Uh, you can always get better. However, in some ways, you also are what you are once you get to this point of the year, and it's a defense, again, that just doesn't have as much depth as it would like because the injuries have kind of racked up uh, the early season injuries to starters, and now, uh, you know, just some guys that could have been sort of rotating in for you have been banged up and have been hurt. So I uh, I think it's kind of one of those things, man, you, you, you offensively – like I, I'm, I'm a big believer in complimentary football. Offensively, you're going to need explosive plays. South Carolina has to have explosive plays to win. Even against Vandy, we saw we saw a lot of their drives be finished off because of explosive plays, and we even saw we saw too many penalties. I feel like they had some drives, man, that could have been like very successful. Eat away at the opponent, just kind of tick away, tick away, tick that really got just wiped out by, by penalties. So it's kind of a – it's a catch-22 in a lot of ways. You're going to need to have explosive plays, but you'd also like to let your defense rest a, a little bit and to play some complimentary football. So I, I think those are things to keep an eye on tomorrow. How long is the defense having to play? How long is the defense on the field? And uh, can you um, kind of balance out this game in terms of um, time of possession, number of possessions – and, um, you know, and all those things. So, all right, we've, we've given Florida enough love. Let's try to – let's talk about a path. Like, yep. let's talk about Carolina's offense, what we saw against Vandy, and how much of that could carry over. Um, the, the big question on everyone's mind, what can South Carolina get from Marshawn Lloyd? I, I think as the week has progressed, there's a little bit more optimism of maybe him being able to help out this week. Also, um, I'll say it like this um, – if they were to get anything out of Marshawn Lloyd, I think that's a massive bonus. I'll just put it like that at this point, Chris. Um, you're talking about something. It's not just a bruise, you know. Like sometimes you hear bruise, you think, "Oh, that's it's a bruise." But um, th- not all bruises are created equal. <laughs> Whenever you, this is a bruise that you call contusion, which makes it sound way worse uh, <laughs> because it is. Uh, you take a helmet straight to your thigh area your quad area and a, it's going to hurt B the opponent knows you have that and um, see you're running back. So you yeah. get hit. Yeah. Um, so let, let's just, let's frame it up like this. Assuming either Lloyd can't go, um, which is my expectation. Uh, frankly, you assume either Lloyd can't go or is heavily limited. I think that means trying to get Bell the ball again in the backfield and trying to get that going. Uh, the other the other guys did some good things. They spread the wealth last yeah. week. But I think as far as, like, running between the tackles, your sort of bell cow workhorse, workhorse back. Um, I just realized bell cow, like, works very well it with does. Jaheim. It does. Never thought about that. Um, I think it's got to be zero. Like, he, it, yeah. it's going to have to be him. I think he – I actually think he may have – I just have this feeling. He may have his best game running the ball as a Gamecock this week. Um, and maybe I'm thinking that because he has to. 
He, he does well. He does have to, and so he figures to get a high number of carries again this week. And you know, just th- just thinking through the guys, like let's think about what we saw against Vandy and Marshawn Lloyd's absence. We saw a lot of zero. What sixteen carries? I think nineteen overall snaps at running back. Um, out of he played some snaps, obviously at receiver, tight end, whatever you want to call it as well. And we saw Juju, we saw Christian Beal Smith. Beal Smith had the long touchdown run, but only had three carries and was so banged up at one point that it took him really a couple minutes to get off the field. So he's clearly not a hundred percent. Juju McDowell is more of a guy that you want to have be an outside runner. So out of the guys that we've seen play, and I know people mm-hmm. are talking about, you know playing Rashad Amos or George Dante Miller factor in, or even Lavasia Carroll, somebody like that. Your, your inside presence as a runner and your most healthy and effective presence has been Jaheim Bell in the last game. Um, Beal Smith is not going to be a hundred percent, obviously in this game. Can he play? Yeah, probably. Will he give you something? Probably. But I think we saw some of what Bell can do against Vandy. We, we were watching a little bit of it earlier today, Wes in the 107.5 studio and he had some runs where he extended some plays. He took a run that was a zero-yard run mm-hmm. where there's contact at the line of scrimmage, and it's three yards or five yards. That's what he's going to need to give this team, and, and maybe in some other instances can give you some explosive runs that we didn't necessarily see last week. Yeah, he didn't have the explosive runs last week, but I got to say, man, I, I think they're there. Like I, I think there is the, the ability, the skill set for – a uh, for some explosive runs because yeah. I think he does give you that ability to to fall forward to make people miss. I look at it like this: can you can you create more of a run than what was blocked for? Yep. And um, yep. I, I think he does that. Like a, the the average last week wasn't great, but I, I think he had several runs where either it was like this close to breaking. Um, and so let's give him the same grace we give other people. You know this this guy is not. A running back in that he's just played a bunch of running back, you know. Like I, I think over time as he gets more comfortable, you know, I've heard he's had a good week of practice this week. I think as he gets more and more comfortable there, you're going to see a few of those start to break. And uh, if I remember correctly, there were, and I don't, Chris, remember if these would have been categorized as quick throws or if they were backwards throws. But I think he had two decent gains that um, that. Would have been solid, but got erased by holding on the outside. Mm. I think our boy Juice Wells actually got both of them, if I remember correctly. Um, don't come beat me up if I'm wrong, Juice. But <laughs> I, uh, I think, I think that was right. So, you know, the the the, the potential is there mm-hmm. for for Bell, and I, I think that again, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning. They need, they're going to need that. Like they're going to need. I don't, I don't know if you can just drop back and throw them. Like, Florida, not a great defense, not a great pass rush. But, man, we know Florida has athletes. They always, always do. Always. They, they never don't. Like, Clay, I, I thought Clayton White, when he said um, he said this this week, he said, uh, you know, I've been around ball enough to know. Like, <laughs> Florida's always going to have players. Whether they're a good team or a bad team, they're always going to have players. So, I don't think you can – I don't think it's fair to ask this O line to, to block if you can just if you're just going to drop back and try to throw the ball. Um, you're going to need just some semblance of a rushing attack to settle into this game and give Rattler an opportunity to go then pick them apart. Well, and that leads us in maybe a question. Our guy Big Red here, 
thoughts on DK Joyner getting snaps at Florida? I think, let, let me start with this. Spencer Rattler, I mean, n- nothing that we haven't said already, Wes, said this after the game last week, but Spencer Rattler had his best performance against Vandy. Was some of that, does that need to be viewed through the lens of it's Vandy? Yes, to a degree. Mm-hmm. But, but we still saw his most well-rounded game where he showcased all of the positive attributes that he brings to the table as a quarterback. Improvisational ability in the run game, had a really nice 15-yard run. Outside the pocket, rolling out, making a throw that only his receiver can catch. We saw that. One-on-one opportunities um, and and deep downfield throws. Like We saw all of that. And bonus, he took care of the football. Is it going to take a similar effort? Maybe not that good, but I think it will. It will certainly start at not turning the football over, but they're going to have to hit some of those explosive plays, whether it's Juice Wells taking a short pass and making it happen down the field, seen him do that this year, or uh, a a well-designed, well-executed post pattern for a touchdown. I think we need to see that too. But another element that you would think will be not introduced but continued to build upon is DK Joyner at quarterback. I feel like we probably will see that because with Lloyd's status – South Carolina is going to have to create some things in the running game. Marshawn Lloyd is so good at breaking tackles in the open field. Um, They're going to have to kind of manufacture a little bit more of that. And so how do you do that? Well, you got to kind of scheme some of it because you can't replicate Lloyd. So you have to kind of do it, I don't know, in the aggregate, like a money ball type of term. Mm -hmm. You got to be able to get Xavier Leggett involved you know, on the edges, you have to find, you know, use juice wells as an extension of your run game, but also getting Joyner in there and, and letting him play some snaps. I feel like we'll see that tomorrow. I I feel like that's a very safe bet. Yeah. Um, and that's not even anything I've, like, heard. I just think we saw what that did last week. And I, I think you got to continue to expand that package, man. Like, it, it can't be DK goes in and then just runs the ball and you take him out. Yeah. And then – you know, you put him in another time, he runs the ball, you take him out, and the fans are like, oh, what are you doing? This never works. It's got to be like we saw the creativity of, um, you know, uh, we are talking about Step did uh, the breakdown of the DK play, as he called it, um, on Gamecocks Plus, and that's on Twitter. We, we did a little story on it on Gamecock Central as well. But that was a fun play. Like, they shifted Christian Bill Smith over – he takes the direct snap. He hands the ball to DK. He does basically what it amounted to, like an orbit motion into the backfield. Um, They're supposed to throw the ball down the middle to to Van. It gets covered up. He comes back to like the last option on that throw, basically. But um, just the design of that, like, and and all that was designed to get Vandy's eyes just into the backfield, right? Like, what is happening? Go get the football. Mm-hmm. I think, and and to their credit, they covered it up. The first option. Yeah. Actually, very well. Triple covered it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if they had a drone uh, watching <laughs> practice for that one, but uh, credit to them. Point being, you can build off of that. You can do a lot of different things off that. And I, I think, as we've talked about, man, this is a Florida defense that, that they will miss tackles in the open field. They will give up some plays. So you're going to have to can you continue to do those things, execute those things. I think finding ways, like you said, get the ball to Leggett. Like, I never – I never thought I would be saying that, um, but Leggett with the ball in his hands, I mean, the, the little move, we were watching it earlier, the little move where 
he did like the little almost like shuffle step mm-hmm. and got skinny and then kept going up the field. Uh, like th- this, he's borderline dynamic mm-hmm. if you can give him the ball. Now he struggled, obviously, we know with the ball in the air at times during his career. He had it just hasn't taken off for him, but talented kid, man. I, I wonder some of the stuff you do with Jaheim on the little quick throws on the swing pass. Um, can you put Joyner and Jaheim in the backfield and then orbit Leggett and almost use Leggett as a pitch man um, on the outside? Like, I, I think there are some things you can do with 17. Um, all these things are predicated on executing your normal stuff well enough to where you can kind of get into your offense, get into a rhythm, and then start to mix things in. But, um, I mean, Leggett, like, I think very truly is – he is a key to this game. Even if it's three or four carries, like, get him involved. Like, I think he yep. – I think his upside is actually – that. I think we've downplayed, um, you know, just how good he actually could potentially be. Yeah, and I think, you know, his usage um, and some other guys, it, in a broader sense, I think South Carolina schematically – has to find some ways to mess with Florida's linebackers. You, mm-hmm. you don't want them to be able to just come downhill clean and be able to make tackles on your running backs and just easily run sideline to sideline. These guys, Ventrell Miller, Amari Bernie, they have played a lot of football. Ventrell Miller, I think Ventrell Miller like played for Spurrier at Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been there forever. So a lot of they're talented, they're productive. Um, you, you got to find a way to get those guys kind of like out of sorts. It, that's not going to be easy because they are so experienced. But you can't let them play free. You need to get them thinking a little bit. So some of these type plays that we're talking about, I think, are key to that. Wes, I had the most random prediction ever in my staff predictions. Did, did you see it? Yeah, I did not. Please tell me. All right, so I will, I will spoil it here on the show. Amarian Brown has his first touchdown of the year against the Gators. That was my prediction. Don't know if it's uh, – Pass, which you've been close to. Don't know if it's a run. Not sure. Uh, I also have Could no be a ba- throw. I have no basis for. for I was about to say, is that other than you have a dream? T- well, he that, told Josh Van that he was going to get one when uh, Josh scored. So that that was kind of my basis for that. Okay, well, um, guys, we are pumped. We've got our food coming out. Um, are you ready for your podcast debut? Yeah. <laughs> what What did you bring us? All right, so we have our grilled pimento cheese. Oh my gosh. Bacon and Looks incredible. Ranch. With some ranch, yep. With ranch, of course. What? Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes, probably. Yes, we will. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah, so as y'all can tell, we're at Market on Main. We are live. It is, uh, I think, stopped raining. We are in our igloo. You can do the same. Great place to come. Enjoy the outdoors, but also stay warm. Um, and they, they have their Market Party Express as well. By the way, Chris, I was told before we went on air that um, I've got a, a free ticket to enjoy. I was about to say a free ticket to the Tennessee game. It is a free ticket to tailgate in, at the Market Party Express Cockaboos prior to the Tennessee game. What? So uh, what we're going to do is um, go to our Instagram, instagram.com slash Gamecock Central. And if you close, the person who predicts the game closest for tomorrow for the Florida game will win a a ticket to the Market Party Express for the Tennessee game. So if you want to buy a ticket to the Market Party Express, go to marketonmain.com. Let's see, third from the left, Party Express. You can click that link. You get all the information. Essentially, they bought a cockaboose and uh, turned it into a party bus. 
they have um, you can go out there for like if you're graduating, you have a graduation party there. Maybe have a uh, a uh, wedding uh, you know reception there. You, you can have all types of things there. So Market Party Express, really really sweet. If you've never experienced the Cockaboose Railroad, great place and way for you to do that. Again, marketonmain.com. Dude, this food smells it's like amazing. It's like wafting into our yes. Let me just say that kind of bacon, like the thick, thick cut bacon. Bacon, beautiful. Ooh. Yeah, I could eat bacon on anything. Oh, there's no doubt. It's fantastic. We have to keep doing the show, don't we? No, uh, we're getting close to. I think we're about at prediction. We're about to wrap this thing up. Um, so wait, hold on, hold on. AB touchdown. There was no like you didn't deep dive the film. No, and be like, no, I literally thought about you know the, the Gamecock football crew, the film crew captured, you know Josh Van. That's his first touchdown reception of the year. So he's coming off the field. Everybody's you know dapping him up and everything, congratulating him. He sits down next to Marion and Marion goes, "I I got to get me one." Like, that sounds good. Good week against Florida to do that. So maybe maybe they uh, not that coaches are going. Well, shoot, he said. Uh, <laughs> He's got to get one, so now we got to make it happen. But he's actually been close, Wes. And we do know they'll get him involved in the short passing game. Hey, maybe even the run game. Who knows? I thought you maybe deep-dived the film and saw that speedy slot receivers <laughs> um, nope. have crushed uh, Florida. I should have said that. <laughs> yeah, something to keep an eye on. Um, tight ends have crushed them. Have, if Jaheim yeah. Bell is playing running back, is this a big week for Stog? Maybe potentially. Um Let's see. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to knock out everything that that needs to be All talked about. All the thoughts got to come out now. Um, my prediction, dude. I went very simple. Uh, Nicky Memori is going to rack up the tackles. I think he's going to have. Safe he's going to lead lead the team in tackles this week, and I think he'll have double digit tackles. Yeah. I just have visions of him and KJ Jefferson. Um, boom, boom, boom. You know, against Arkansas, I think it'll be very similar this week. But as we did our 107.5 show today, it hit me. My prediction should have been that I think Jaheim Bell has his best game as a runner yeah. since he joined the South Carolina football program. Uh, so, and I, again, I think he's going to have to. If he does that, you know, maybe, maybe they got a chance. I, I'm not willing to predict he goes for a hundred, but I wouldn't be surprised because I, I think I think there's going to be yards to be had. All right, are either one of us? Uh, our predictions are already out there on Gamecock Central. How close were you to picking an upset, or you feel? No, I, I felt pretty convicted about about a, a Florida win in this one. I, that's the way I was going. You know, what coming, was your score? It was uh, 34-24 Florida tomorrow. Mine was 35-27, so. Pretty close. Kind of on the same page there. Again, I you know, in no way does that mean South Carolina cannot win the game. Like, that's the reason you play the games. If they go down there, if they win turnovers – if they, uh, you know, have a special teams type defensive type score, yep. um, you know, I, I think they'll win the game if they do that. But it, it's going to take it's going to take those extra efforts. If they play those things like to an equal, then I just think it's going to be tough in Florida. But what a win this would be. And by the way, so I always thought this was interesting. I'm going to close with this. We talked this again on the 107.5 show, um, Chris, about – how uh, Carolina is percentage-wise, what do we say it was for this game? 70? 70 in the FBI? Yeah, FBI yeah. 70, About 71. A little over 70. Um, they're obviously not favored against um, T- 
Tennessee or Clemson, and the numbers are pretty low. However, it's a weird thing about numbers and percentages. South Carolina, I saw this on Reddit. Shout out to the uh, Reddit Gamecocks page. And I wish I had the user's name. I'm sorry. Shouting it out, though. Gamecocks Reddit. They actually have, if you add those things together, it's like a 46-ish, 47% chance to win one game of the three. Oh, interesting. Which is a higher number, given the individual percentages, than I would have thought it would have been. So it's almost a coin flip that they will find a way, just by the numbers, by the percentages, that they will find a way to win one of these games. So which game will that be? Obviously, your chances are are good if you can go ahead. And uh, some of that's being propped up by the fact that even though it's a 70% chance that Florida wins this game, that's much different than the 84, 85, 83. So it's something like that for those final two games against Tennessee and Clemson. So, wow. yeah, it's it's a big drop-off there. Um, speaking of numbers, though, our friends at Liberty Tax uh, will handle all of your tax numbers for you. Uh, give them a call, 803-462-5576. Uh, shout out to our buddy Larry at Liberty Tax. They've got three awesome locations in the Midlands. Uh, Irmo, they've got Lexington, they've got um, officially Columbia as well. 803-462-5576. Tax time is right around the corner. Or if you own a business or run a business and you just hate the sort of bookkeeping side of things, the number side of things, the accounting side of things, they have experts on staff, on hand, that can help you out here locally. So, Go check out our friends at Liberty Tax. Again, 803-462-5576. All right, y'all, that's going to do it for us. We will have – Kendall Smith and I will have one last final quick thoughts about the game. That will be at some point on Saturday for our Before the Sandstorm. Kendall will be on location in Florida. I'm trying to get her set up at the Spurrier Restaurant. Oh, that'd be awesome. For this. From what I've been told, however – this place will be packed on game day. So I don't know. Maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. But either way, Kendall will be joining us from Florida. Um, all right. He's Chris. I'm Wes. We're about to chow down. He's got his pimento che- grilled pimento cheese sandwich with thick cut bacon. I've got a pulled pork quesadilla with cheese. Oaxaca. Oaxaca cheese. I'm glad. Chris is our resident uh, pronunciator of words <laughs> that I don't know. Um but I had that cheese, that same cheese was on the grilled cheese, it was I think. phenomenal. Amazing. I don't know what it is, but it's amazing. Uh, all right, for Chris, I'm Wes. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.